It's hammer time. Welcome to episode seven of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. Our guest this week is Rob Woodfork, a fellow sports writer who brings us the 1997 action flick Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, really? (laughs) <laughs> Anna Beth Gish, Richard Roundtree, and Judd Nelson. So fire up the foundry, pump up those Reeboks, and settle in for a host of explosions, free throw jokes, and the 41st worst rated movie on IMDb. <laughs> my name is Noah Frank. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Will Vitka, and Rob, as our guest, let me ask you, how am I ever supposed to master the art of French cooking when you keep crashing in here like James Brown? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! There was so many lines like that, wasn't there? Yeah the the whole the, the <laughs> whole like neighborhood setup thing. Uh, I'll let you get, get into that a, a little bit more. But um, yeah, what what was happening <laughs> in, this, in this movie? Uh, I, let's 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 just start at the at the real beginning. We'll just I'll just ask you. So you brought this to us. Uh, what was your history with this movie? When did you first watch it, uh, and and why did you think that you liked it? Well, here's the thing. I had, and Will and I were sort of um, kind of going back and forth about this because we both similarly love Shaquille O'Neal for varying reasons. Uh, I was a huge Shaq fan as a kid, and so I enjoyed his his music, for one, and I still to this day get clowned for that. But um, I have every one of his CDs that he ever put out. And yes, I'm dating myself by saying I have CDs and, you know, not downloads or something like that. But I had all his CDs. I watched all his movies. Uh, I recognized that they were not the greatest quality, but I still enjoyed them because it was my guy. So I uh, I watched the movie. I was an, I was a high school kid um, when this movie came out. Uh, it was a 1997 release. And um and I just thought it would be cool to go back and see if it's as campy and corny as I remembered it to be. Because honestly, the only the only part that I remembered from that movie was the very end where her chair like stands up. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 that whole scene right there where they're just kind of all, you know, hanging out outside the restaurant or whatever. Uh, that, that was the only part I remembered. So just going back and watching it. I, I thought would be sort of fun and nostalgic and uh and it and it certainly was those things, even though this movie is not particularly very good. <laughs> Will you I mean you you had seen this in a similar time period. Did, did you see it in the theaters or video? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure I saw it on video afterward. I mean I, 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 about this movie is like a straight to DVD video. I mean yeah. the fact that it was ever in the theaters is mildly surprising. I'm relatively certain that my uncle who <laughs> does not have the greatest taste in, in movies put it on at one point and that's when I first saw it and then it was sort of semi-regularly on on like cable like TNT and stuff and that's how I saw the repeats you know uh, post 97 uh, based on my uh, fairly rudimentary research this film cost 16 million dollars to make and netted 1.7 million dollars <laughs> that, uh, yeah that sounds right that sounds right <laughs> yeah just to give you an idea in case you were curious uh, this was not box office gold um all right, so Rob, as as the guest, we we 
put it to you as the person bringing us this film uh to try to give us uh, your best summary of what actually happened in this movie. Uh, you, you know, the, the 30 to 90 second summary, uh, just for people who haven't watched it and don't want to subject themselves to the 97 minutes. Uh, what, what What is this film? Uh, besides a mess, uh, what this film is, uh, well, I'll, I'll start with what it was supposed to be. Uh, Steel is a DC Comics character that... Um, and, and, and one of the, well, I, I won't say one of the first, but uh, one of the more prominent uh, figures, I guess, in the 90s anyway, um, that has a storyline that is pretty closely connected to Superman. Like he was saved by Superman and he was, and, and some of the parts in this film uh, sort of um, touch on some of those things, but ignores Superman almost entirely, which is kind of weird because the two characters are pretty inextricably linked. Uh, for those who are familiar with sort of the comic arc. But um, so uh, basically uh, John Irons, the absolutely named John Irons is a, uh, he's like a military weapons uh, expert. And, uh, and he's supposed to, uh, you know, there's, there's a bad accident that happens uh, at the beginning. Sparky! Yeah. He gets out of the military, goes back home to sort of get his, uh, you know, sort of gather himself, come to find out uh, some of the weapons that he uh, that he helped develop and that he helped make end up on the streets in his neighborhood. So now he has to, you know, fight this battle to go and, um, you know, get those weapons off the streets and defeat uh, the, uh, the bad guy who we know from the moment you see him on camera <laughs> that he's going to be the villain in this movie. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it, it's a pretty, um, it, it, it didn't really stick to the comics. And in fact, it sort of looked more like a vehicle to get Shaquille O'Neal some, some, uh, some screen time uh, because really having John Irons be, first of all, anybody wearing a mask as a superhero if you're seven feet tall, don't even put the mask on, dude. <laughs> we already know who you are. And and I'm glad that they didn't even try to, um, you know, make it like we didn't know who that was under the mask in the movie. So uh, so that was uh, one one of the few smart things that they did in that film was uh, it was kind of poke fun at that. But uh I mean, that, that was really what it was supposed to be, but I, I feel like it didn't really hit on the fr from a comic book standpoint, it did not adhere to what the storyline was supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of disappointed because I, I read before I watched the, the film that it was based on this DC comics character. And I was like, Oh, we're going to get a comic book film, which we've seen many, many more of in the intervening years. Right. And and in in the comic books, he's supposed to be this brilliant engineer. Right. And I was really, really interested to see how they were going to portray Shaq as a brilliant engineer. And the answer is they didn't. It just made him kind of yeah. dumb and likable. Uh, and they basically pawned off all the, the technical expertise onto the, let's just call it the most vanilla love interest I've seen in probably 10 years. No. Uh Yo, can we can, can we touch on that real quick? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the ten, the tension in this movie is weird. It was so weird because you're like, are y'all friends? 
are like it's like there's a love interest there but there's not and then every time there's like an opportunity to kind of you know cash in on that that tension that they seem to have sort of kind of like they just punted on it like that would have been like at the end where like where she stands up in the chair perfect kiss scenario yeah and he, and then he just hugs her like it's his little sister and i'm just like what are you guys doing i will never get over that shot during the the wheelchair struggle scene after she falls out and shack is like leering at her i don't know what expression he's making but it was upsetting <laughs> yeah i i just it felt like it was supposed to be a romance but there was like some reason why they didn't want to portray that which in like 1997 this wasn't like 1967 like i was like is there like who's who is the is the force behind like oh we can't have this like interracial romance on screen thing that was the first thing that came to mind was are are y'all uncomfortable with having an interracial romance in this movie because i I thought we were past that in 1997 yeah there was was a whole ass movie called jungle fever before that (laughs) (laughs) but right like they keep like like touching fingers <laughs> it's like they're like thing in this very like yeah. strange clearly intimate way uh right. yeah it's it's i i i we'll, we'll get it. <laughs> which was which was eerily similar to et so i was just like what like what what is that yeah uh i i i couldn't figure out if that was somehow tied to to the moment or to just some someone's editorial decision that they just didn't want that as as part of it but then like why even have like their connection be what it is at all why can't they just be good friends you could write in other another very clearly established love interest on one side or the other or just like clearly delineate that this isn't what this is it was it was in a weird a very strange uh tension that kind of carried throughout the whole the whole film that might, um, that might just be Shaq, though, because he makes that kissy face at his grandma, and that freaked me out, too. I was just like, what is happening here? Like, are you trying to smooch your grandma? I don't get it. Don't you patronize me, young man. You just give me some more sugar. <laughs> uh, the the whole family interaction, That I mean, the family interaction, we've talked about this in, in other other episodes. We've talked about this in the, in the Meet Joe Black episode, where, like, the entire sort of introductory scene and then car crash feels completely separate from the rest of the film. <laughs> yes. Like, 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 like the, the family scenes feel like they were filming like a sitcom and then there's this, this action movie broke out. Like, like they don't, they don't seem to be connected in any real way to like the rest of the, of the film. Um, and actually, as you say that it comes to mind that everything about this in terms of like the jokes and some of the deadpan and some of the, um, uh, humor throughout that movie it's like this was a 1997 movie but had a very like early 80s kind of sense of humor to it it's like you would get you would get laughs in the laugh track or something like that yeah yeah well i think that's because of the director i think it's because of the director like all he did was tv a bad tv at that and then he directed short circuit 2 and then d3 the mighty ducks and then steel yeah. and it's just like his entire or or whatever the oeuvre oeuvre yes it's just littered with hot garbage yeah well and and, and i mean i 
we come at this from <laughs> the lens of the films that we've seen and, and talked about for this podcast, but man, I saw a ton of parallels to our very first episode, <laughs> Demolition Man, where this <laughs> this was caught in this weird portrayal of mid nineties LA, this like hellscape LA where it's just lawlessness. <laughs> like, 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 where are any like? There's there are terrorists using futuristic weapons to just like rampage the city and. This is like up to the LAPD to figure it out. Like, there's no FBI. There's no SWAT teams. It's like, it's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's LA. And, then and I, that's the thing. Like, the only time we saw the SWAT team was when they came to get Shaq. Right. Yes. Right. Like, there's no, there's no con- broader concern. It's just like, yeah, I guess we'll just let this seven foot one like ex military guy just handle this on his own. Yeah. Um, but 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 again, the campiness, uh, you know, and, and the weird sort of jokes mixed in. Uh, the the the, the use of Arnold Schwarzenegger again. Yeah. We have not done a movie that actually includes Arnold Schwarzenegger, but we've done two that have like very clear references to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, right. there was it was just a, like a, a very and even even down to you know talking about sort of the very obvious over the head names like the Simon Phoenix and and, and now using. Uh, I know I'm 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 upset that I wasn't a part of that podcast because that that was a movie that I. I know I enjoyed as a kid and that I have watched as an adult. It was just like, what the hell was that? I would have loved to have been a part of that. Well, maybe when they make the sequel that they're supposedly making, uh, uh, we can, I hope we can re- revisit this. Oh, it's happening. Um, yeah. As Stallone, Stallone said in an Instagram live during the pandemic that, uh, that they're in production or, or, or at least like it's in the churn. Uh, so have we learned nothing from coming to America too. No, I mean, we've learned, no, we've learned nothing at all. I mean, okay. we've learned nothing from anything. If, 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 if 2020, 2021 has taught me anything, we have learned nothing from any of the lessons that have been taught to us over the years. One of the things that I picked up on, and we touched on this like very, very briefly on on the way into this, but the sheer size of Shaq made many of the scenes like unintentionally hilarious. Especially when there's toward the beginning when uh, I guess it's Judd Nelson's court martial for the the mishap because he, he over overcharges one of the weapons and that results in blah 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 Sparky getting injured. Uh, just the image of Judd Nelson, who is approximately fifty percent of Shaq's size, trying to threaten Shaq. It, it's just so and he's insane. Like, Look at him right in his navel. <laughs> Like, what are you going to do, little man? Well, like, the, sh- the shot composition is so bad that, yes, like, to get a close-up of Judd next to Shaq, they had to cut Shaq off, basically, at the waist. And Judd is talking, yes, to his belly button. It was just, all of the, all of the decisions made here are baffling. Yeah. Well, as someone who has met and interviewed Shaq, uh, he is disconcertingly large. <laughs> like, like your brain doesn't quite register him as like a, a human the first time you see him. You just see this like mass move into the room, and you're like, "Oh God!" Like, like you think you know what seven one three hundred plus pounds looks like. You think your brain can like arrange that in your mind, and then you're like, "Oh no, no, I wasn't ready yeah, for that." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, the. the that that scene and that sort of hilarious juxtaposition uh, actually remind, reminds me of uh, I was when I was in college I, I went to Vegas for a weekend and I was I got my flight got canceled on the way out uh, and so I got I got like stuck in Vegas on a Sunday night and they put us up at this crappy little motel that was like right next to the uh, the Hard Rock Hotel it's like all right I'll just go to the Hard Rock Bar and like hang out and uh, was drinking with a couple of guys who worked for the Yes Network the Yankees Network. And 
we, you know, after putting a few back, we're like, ah, like it's Sunday night. It's slow. Let's see if we can like sneak into like the VIP section of, of, of like the club here. Like no one's going to be there. And I just remember like trying to look for like this door that, that he was saying was like the back door in and then turning around into effectively the middle button of a three piece suit <laughs> and looking up. And it was, it was the Indiana Pacers. It was like all of the Indiana Pacers, big men. <laughs> like D- Dale Davis and Jermaine O'Neal and whoever the third one was in like 2004. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. no, no, this was, yeah, this was, but I, I just remember like, it was like, he's wearing like, like a tan suit. And I was just, I was literally like looking into the button of the suit when I turned around <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's who's here tonight. I don't think I'm getting in. Uh, but right, like every scene in this, in this film, just cause like no one else is Shaq's size. Right. Uh, but that's the thing. Good filmmaking would, almost require you to make accommodations for that. It's like, okay, you want this dude to be steel fine, but like, you gotta have him like, like, like basically the reverse of what they do for, um, um, uh, what's his name in mission impossible. I'd say Tom Cruise. Yeah. (laughs) Tiny little man. Like the reverse of what you do for Tom Cruise is like, you have to like sort of try to level it out by, you know, having everybody else on a, on a pedestal almost or something like that to try and downplay that as, you know, being his size. So I, I, I don't know how they didn't, how they didn't do that, especially well, if you have a $16 million budget. Yeah. Cause it's not like you don't know you're, you've got Shaq, you know, right. <laughs> well, like, he, you don't not know that he's seven feet. <laughs> and he's so physically imposing. And yet in that costume, he looks so ridiculous because he's like squeezed into it. And like the mask barely fits on his face. You right. like, it's like you could have made him look just insanely imposing by like putting a lot of costume around him, you know, like, like make him look like a mech warrior. You yeah. know? And like, instead he looks somehow less like, like his movements restricted he's just kind of like standing there like like right. the, the whole the whole like outfit getup is not intimidating at all uh which no, it looks like it looks like plastic yeah yeah no, yeah it, yeah it's like uh medieval times or something like that <laughs> and then his hands like his hand like the gloves like the palms are completely open like what's yeah. the point of even having the gloves then i the, the other thing you know you brought up uh you know, like, like obviously, we we know that Shaq is like very much attached to and and part of like this project. Uh, do we? I know that he's always like Dwight Howard had the sort of Superman like fixation, and like that's a real tattoo. The the Superman yeah. Man of Steel tattoo that's Absolutely. on his arm is an actual tattoo that's on his arm. But I assume that predated this movie. Like, like this seemed he clearly seems to have had some sort of interest in this character and, and everything coming in right yeah no i mean he had the superman yeah he definitely had the superman tattoo before that and his uh, obsession with superman was to the point where it was even in his automobiles his custom-made automobiles had like a superman emblem on like the steering wheel so i mean he he was he was all about that superhero life so i'm, <laughs> I'm sure he had i'm sure he did have some sort of um you know, interest in doing the movie from from that standpoint, which again makes it that much more questionable why you wouldn't embrace sort of that Superman um, uh, storyline from the comics because the two are inextricably linked. And so uh, maybe it was like a rights thing or, or or something like that. Maybe they they didn't have the rights to the character or something. Of oh, that. maybe yeah. Hmm. I mean that that had to have something to do with it. Um, but um, 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's uh, it, that, that that was just that was incredible. That was incredible. I, I'm he's left me speechless by uh, <laughs> by just how ridiculous he looked in that in that costume. I actually just looked it up, and this was distributed by Warner Brothers, and they they own Superman, so that makes it even more confusing. Wow. That does make it confusing. Yeah, you know, it, I just I it seems like such a missed opportunity, especially since we've seen the kind of success that superhero films have had to attach it to that and to make it part of like that universe, even if it was maybe a little before well, that time. Well, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it was before that time. I mean, really, the X-Men movies are, are what kicked that off. And the X-Men, the first X-Men movie was still three years away when this came out. So I, I, I don't think anybody really understood what a cash cow a well done superhero movie would be because that that the, like the 90s were was like that <clears throat> was like that gaping hole because you had the first two batman movies were were well done and then you had as a matter of fact 1997 might have been the, the the same year that horrible batman and robin movie came out it was either 97 or 98 but I, I know it was toward the back end of when i was in high school so um so that was really the era in which superhero movies were like yeah 1997 uh, batman and robin yeah so see exactly so it's like everything was kind of campy and corny and and like you you didn't even want to you didn't even want to touch it then so um so yeah that 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 was uh that was certainly an interesting time for superhero movies We normally deal with this kind of toward the end, but since we're already talking about it, I, I guess it, we, we might as well sort of roll into, uh, do, do we think that this movie could get made again today? And like, what, what how, how much different would it look if, if it did get made today? I think it would get made. As a matter of fact, there was, uh, I was reading that they were talking, there was talk about doing a Steel remake starring Jamie Foxx, which... If I'm honest, I wouldn't hate. It would make a lot more sense than Shaq, obviously. But um, I, I, I think, given what they are able to do now with the special effects, and you know, people knowing that the superhero genre is a very lucrative one, I could totally see them do that. But the problem is, it's a part of the DC universe, which we've seen from their live-action films, is just a jumbled mess. So you would have to. I feel like that's one that you introduce down the line. Like you have your freestanding Superman movie, you have your freestanding, um, you know, the better known characters, and then you introduce kind of down the line uh, steel, kind of like what we're seeing Marvel doing now. It's like they did the whole cinematic uh, universe and like put a bow on some of those main characters. And now we're starting to see some of the TV shows and we're starting to see some of the movies come out with some of those secondary and tertiary characters that, um, you know, that sort of fills out that universe and kind of makes it more expansive. So steel is something that, <laughs> you know, if DC comics were to sort of have their shit together, so to speak, um, <laughs> I can curse on here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, if, if DC comics had their shit together, then they would be in a, a situation where, 
they would have already rolled out some of these individual and even the sequels to some of the bigger characters. And then they would have like a steal uh, sort of come in. So uh, I, I think we may be a ways away if they do it well. And that's a big if uh, they would be a ways away from doing another steel movie. But I do think it could be done and done well today. You would just have to make sure nobody who is associated with that first movie <laughs> anywhere within shouting distance of this new movie. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Foxx might be a little old, uh, but... Yeah, you know, no, you're right. You're right. Like, we've seen, uh, obviously, as, as the, you know, the Marvel Universe is, like, stretched on and on and on. Those guys are, some of those guys are getting pretty old, but, like, like it's just... I having a real actor would be a give it give it first to, first step yeah give it to daniel uh Kaluuya. yeah i mean you could you could yeah, go any any be. number of i think you could go any number of directions I, I think the biggest thing is having a real budget having a real storyline that like you said dovetails into into uh you know maybe if they get to a point where superman actually does die in in you know in the the cinematic universe you, it naturally feeds into this because that's sort of where this character came from was was filling trying to fill that gap when right. Super, Superman was dead and so yeah I mean I I I I think that was the first thing I thought was like well you could definitely <laughs> you could definitely make a movie that would make money instead of lose a bunch of money using <laughs> the same basis of this if you did it in today's you know era I, I'm sure it would be like. Not that this movie wasn't dark. The body count's pretty high. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of sort of dark stuff that happens, but like you would lose a lot of the campiness, I'm sure. Uh, uh, have it be a little more straightforward. Doesn't mean, you know, no personality, but just less of the sort of uh, canned jokes and everything. Oh, so the Richard Roundtree shaft joke and the shaft <laughs> make a free throw lines that, that wasn't doing it for you? <laughs> I think I count, it was either three or four different like, references to him not being able to shoot a basketball i it was, I, it was at least three i'm pretty sure it was three so he he bricks uh the jumper on the playground uh and and i was like oh that's a nice touch like like th that'll be the only thing that they that they, they use oh, oh no oh you're so wrong <laughs> he says quote i never could make the free throws yeah later on mm -hmm. when he tries to throw away like a piece of trash and then, of course, he actually has to like soft touch the grenade <laughs> through this little hole in the wire. Like literally, their life and death comes down to his ability to to add a, add a little bit of backspin onto an explosive device. And by the way, that grenade, he pulled the pin on that. Like, that was a solid 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. From yeah. the time he rolled it in there, and they're in there shucking and jiving, and finally he chucks it through, and it bounces around the hole, and finally out. Again, like, what? almost literally everything in this movie is wrong. <laughs> Who uh, that out? <laughs> but by the way, they also showed uh, NBA Jam in the, in the opening shot of that arcade. That made uh, me... Yeah. Really 
Yeah. That was so giddy. That and also funny. my my favorite line that I forgot about as a kid is in this movie. I totally forgot about the line. Well, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs. Yep. I forgot all about that line. Oh my God, I used that so much as a kid. <laughs> uh well since we're talking about the 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 endless grenade timer and everything uh why don't we just this is going to be i a feeling a, a large segment when we get into the continuity errors and plot holes in this thing because oh my goodness you, uh, yeah. you could drive that ridiculous hummer through uh let's uh, wh- who wants to go first and 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 just attack this thing. The, the the one thing that I had a big problem with was you knew Judd Nelson was the bad guy the moment he came on screen. I mean, just he just had the look on his face like he just had mischief. And I mean, at least try to disguise it somewhat. Well, and it doesn't seem like Shaq ever knew until like the moment he actually crashed through like the last meeting. Like he was like, "Who do you work for? Like how does he not know that that's who? It, like who else is this? Like clearly they have some history like that like predates this that they kind of hint at but don't really flesh out in any meaningful way." But yeah, all right. What what, what else? What else do you guys have? Um, it's it's almost everything. I mean, there's almost there's no scene that I can think of that doesn't have some glaring flaw in it i get the one that stood out the most to me was was um the police response to shack like there's no way the lapd wouldn't just shoot a black dude in 1997 especially a seven foot one scared <laughs> of the unarmed like short guys a seven footer oh like, my god and i don't i don't think that they fire a single bullet not one. <clears throat> it's it's just now, it's the least <laughs> least realistic portrayal of cops I've ever seen in a movie. And and the one the one and only reason it's even remotely plausible is because that one detective or that one officer is uh, is a brother. So that's the only that's the only way that that's plausible. So I, I always look for like everything. And so I started with like the little, the little ones and then they were just blown out of the water by the, the bigger <laughs> and everything. But like even stuff like when, when he's on the ride along with his, is that his little brother, I guess. I think right. so. Yeah. Ray J is his little brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Loved him in Mars they, attacks. <laughs> they, they roll up to this thing and, and like he goes running out and then like, his kid brother pops out of the back of a cop car, which those doors don't open from the inside. Uh, they're just like, like he, he he chases down the, the one guy who's running from him for like this long chase scene. The guy who's carrying a state of the art weapon is running and not shooting back at him the entire, he's running unarmed after him. Right. Right. Until he fi- finally shoots like the in the train yard. Like the, the Charlie Chaplin moment. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, when they do eventually shoot him, they leave him alive. <laughs> like they just shoot him in the shoulder and they're like, all right, that's, <laughs> that's done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but nothing I don't think compares plot hole wise to when they're on their final the final mission and they they're they've tracked them to this warehouse and everything. And you've got 
Richard Roundtree in the van and Shaq's, you know, that they're, they're talking to Sparky back on, on the radio and like they roll up, he goes straight in. And then somehow in the roughly 90 seconds of time between when they last spoke to her back at the, the base on the radio and when he's like in the warehouse comes like it's crashed into in through the warehouse the bad guys have kidnapped sparky and brought her to the warehouse like it's literally like 90 seconds of real time <laughs> and somehow magically she has been kidnapped and and is being held hostage by the bad guys like it just just a complete complete wipeout of any any plausibility uh, even within the context of this being already implausible. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 thoroughly the, the, again the whole film is thoroughly ridiculous. What what actually what really cranked me up is they were kind of smart about some of the technology stuff. Like Sparky's tech stuff is kind of cool. It's grounded in reality enough that I can sort of buy into it. And then they have like this ludicrous shit like <laughs> like the uh, top secret weapon website that apparently you can just go to. Yeah, the, it's, it, it literally just says top secret and shows a bunch of weapons. <laughs> I, well, you, you can you can find this clip uh, and you can play it instead of me saying it, uh, Will. But mm. I, the the one like random bad dude who's like, they, the kids are like, you know where we can find this stuff? The internet. Damn right. We can pick up all kinds of good crap, not just porno. <laughs> we can pick up all kinds of good crap, not just porno. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Nazis. It's the white supremacists. <laughs> right. And we're like, oh, it's not just for porn anymore. <laughs> good God. That's a great slogan for anything. <laughs> <laughs> not just for porn anymore. Yeah, the that that whole like yeah, people don't really understand how the internet works. We'll just use this <laughs> as like the, the catch all like for to explain how the how this is gonna happen. Uh, yeah, um, and then I <laughs> uh, the uh, combat wheelchair. How did she have time to make the combat wheelchair that shows up like toward the end, which is probably the funniest scene in the entire movie, where she's just well, like, "I got this." And she's got like, and they've, ki- they've kidnapped her, right? Yeah, but left right. her in a wheelchair with fi- with explosives, <laughs> like firearms, <laughs> like like yeah. None of it makes any sense. So it's so terrible. It's great. Also, like, what what was like, who is Judd Nelson? Like, like, why was he in the military if he's just like this? To- like, what was he doing? Like, working up for like the next promotion, like in the ranks. Like, like it, it, his character just makes no sense. Like, he wasn't like in. Didn't seem like he was infiltrating for some reason. Like, he was, you know, like he was like working on this this weapons project, but like then he just gets like kicked out. Well, and he's like, and he's ready to sell out the army at the drop of a hat. He's talking to that crazy red-haired lady. And he's yeah, like, and "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll just like, and, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, like it just, I can't. I understand if he's just like a total psychopath, but then like, what was he doing there in the first place? Like, right. it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and then and then the whole thing where he comes in, like the uh, like the the long hair blonde guy who uh, ran, I guess, whatever gang or something like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> comes in and just takes over dude's operation. Yeah. Sidebar did not look tough at all. Like I felt like I could take him. Like he, he, he didn't see like he had everybody, like he's snapping fingers and just kind of telling everybody what to do. And he straight up murders like three people in an elevator and then gets the guy at the, uh, 
Right. <laughs> Gets that other dude with the creepy robot voice. And he's just like, uh, I need a good friend. <laughs> yeah, right. So where where's the blonde hair guy on that? You think he didn't notice that his, <laughs> his side piece is just gone now? <laughs> so, I mean, th- th- that, that whole character was just outstandingly just it's like he was just there to basically offer judd nelson his kingdom and like with no fight whatsoever except at the end where he just like shot him again shot him in the shoulder instead of finishing him off so i don't know what was uh, what was the rating on this movie because maybe that's why they're not doing headshots and stuff yeah you know i I, I was thinking about that the entire way, and then I didn't actually look it up because <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, this feels like it has to be PG thirteen. Yeah, it is PG thirteen. Yeah, because it just the amount of violence. There's a, a lot of violence. There's there is a actually. heavy, heavy body count in, in this film, and yet they don't swear. There, there's the it is the it is the most like chaste like like sexual tension like you've ever seen. It is the strangest. I, I, sorry, I, I just got an image in my head of like some cut film where Shaq is fucking grandma. Sorry. You just give me some more sugar. The, the, the whole thing is is yeah. I mean, it is a classic PG thirteen movie of the nineties. Like it it where. You just look at the rating system and you go, why, why do we do this? Like, why, why should this be like a movie that children are encouraged and able to see? Like, because it's they fair. don't, they don't swear. Like, yeah, it's, it's very strange because the movie attempts to say a bunch of sort of important stuff, but it says it in the dumbest way possible. No, like, like I, I was thinking about this, like w- when I got to the end, this movie is this movie is written and like made for like a child's mind. Absolutely. Like, right. it, because if you have any sophisticated thought applied to it, everything falls apart, right. but it, but it's like so violent that it's like an adult movie. And it, like, it's like, it's so just sort of like, like almost nihilistic about like the way that the world works and like, like collateral damage. And, you know, just it, it's, it's, it's such a bizarre it's it's at odds with itself in terms of, of the way that it's that it's right, composed right. and like who the audience is supposed to be well i mean the, the, yeah the, the the way it presents the black community is is insane because you're either 900 years old and you want to open a weirdo french restaurant or you're a kid who <laughs> like wants nothing except to find guns and shoot each other and rob banks like what is the message here? <laughs> what am I supposed to take away from this? Except I'll get punched in the face by Shaq, maybe. <laughs> no, you're uh, right. I, I, I just, I had one more thing in, in my notes, which uh, I just, it, it was, I would have forgotten about that it had happened instantly if I didn't write it down. But it's one of the things that if you, again, if you give it any thought, it just is completely insane, which is when he goes and finds Sparky at the like, VA home or whatever she's at where she's just like staring off into the distance he literally physically picks her up mm-hmm. in her wheelchair wheelchair and all right and, and carries her out to like you know give her a better a new lease on life or whatever but, but a a large man is carrying a woman who's saying no don't please stop two thunderous applause 
Right, right. To literally, everyone is cheering. <laughs> it was like rousing ovation. <laughs> I was like, can we stop, stop for a second and like appreciate how insane this moment is? And, what are you going to do? Just sit here and look out the filthy windows? choice about things. This here is a prime example of shit happening. And also, it's even ten times that because he punched the window out (laughs) and did that. He literally punched the window out. So that's destruction of government property. Kidnapping. Yes. (laughs) At least. How are you in, how are you assuming that his intentions were pure when he literally put a hole in the wall before carrying this woman out? Yeah. I I love that just throughout the film there's just they're just like, hey, let's just have him break something. Like it's been it's been 10 minutes. Like, why don't you break that payphone? Oh, hey, hey, look, uh, you gotta show you're tough. Why don't you break that pool cue in half? Like it's just just that's like one of his main character traits is like I'm large and break stuff. Speaking of pool cues, by the way, I have to ask. Did it strike anybody else as incredibly strange that the, I guess, the upper echelon of the gang in L.A. likes to hang out in a dark pool hole wearing suspenders? Yeah, that was... That, that was, was really weird. That was pretty trite. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that was about. And, and also, I noticed that when he snapped that, uh, that pool stick, he did it at the really skinny, like, the tip, which anybody, literally anybody can do that. <laughs> Seem I mean, seem like a, a missed opportunity for at least like a Bo Jackson, you know, over yeah. the knee, over the knee. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know. All right, but and, and also the gang <laughs> is so ridiculous, especially in Los Angeles, where there is like there's three gangs on pretty much every block. So why would you say the gang? As I mean, there's no other defining factor for. For that i mean it doesn't have a name or we we couldn't even we, make one up. I actually i wrote it down they we do learn the name of that gang they're called the marks oh, which is also terrible i don't know if that's any better yeah <laughs> i mean you, you're almost better off just kind of going it's almost like the washington football team just, <laughs> right, yeah. just be the gang So I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, every episode, I do the self-indulgence of Gaucho Watch. I try to find someone who is uh, related in some way to my alma mater, the University of California, Santa Barbara. And I was curious to see if Shaq actually uh, was one of the many NBA players who would come every year to Michael Jordan's camp that he would run on campus, uh, which he still does. Uh, but it does not appear that he is. Uh, so instead, Will, uh, I'm going to pluck uh, – 
a nice little quote from the interview that I did with Shaq, where he incorrectly predicts that LeBron will not go to Los Angeles back in 2017 uh, and, and join the Lakers. Cause that feels very appropriate for this uh, dystopian LA movie. Uh, and we can just, we can throw that in after the credits uh, of the podcast um, and thereby fulfilling gadget watch. For this episode. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So we, we talked a little bit about this, but, but what, what else, what else like really stuck out to you is like most indicative of the time and, and era references, like just absolutely stuck in 1997. Uh, apparently Judd Nelson's like whole thing to, to weaponize, weaponize the gang revolves around getting, smuggling them inside of arcade machines. Yep. That's wow. Okay. <laughs> also the fashion. I mean, that was pretty. Oh my God. Shaq's pants are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, and the uh, and basically everything Richard Roundtree wore, <laughs> like every crazy uncle in the '90s. So that was uh, that was pretty apropos for the time. Yeah, I liked Dem- Demolition Man. Just the portrayal of LA as this sort of gang-ridden hellscape mm-hmm. uh, was was an extremely popular thing in in the mid '90s. Um, and of course, the internet. Right. Well, I was, was going to say so. So the fact that, that the bad guy vehicle is a, an original Hummer, the Hummer, like that H1, a very very popular uh, model uh, of the era, and then <laughs> when when they're talking about like things that fall off the back of a truck that that he can get Sparky, and she's like, "This is a 500 megahertz IBM computer <laughs> on the line." So, yeah. uh, <clears throat> All the all the the technology. All the tech is is like uh, hilarious. Um, all right. So I think <laughs> we've covered most of the bits, but uh, I, I I really like this one for this this movie, and I'm really interested to hear what, what your guys' opinions are. Uh, we do this with every film, but what has happened to each of the characters and the world in the intervening years since 1997 up to the present day? Rob, you want to take a crack at this? Oh boy! Um, I mean, we all know what Shaq is doing. He's retired from the NBA. He's uh, he's a DJ. I don't know if well, if, well, no, no, no. But we're talking about John Henry Irons. The, the what characters. Is, what what is, are the characters? John, like? what, what, what is this character now that they've because we see them save LA, right? Right. And that appeared to be their only purpose. <laughs> like, like yeah, they weren't, they weren't like, we're going to take on the rest of the world after like, there was no, there's no epilogue and no, you know, uh, uh, here's what the characters are up to today. So like, oh, like yeah. what, I mean, what, what, what do we think ever after? What do we think happened to, to uh, this set of characters other than uh, the grandmother finally opening her French restaurant out of her house, which maybe, <laughs> violated some zoning laws but we'll let that slide uh what 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 do we think happened to these characters uh in the 25 almost years since then boy i'm gonna say i'm gonna say john and sparky are still doing their awkward energy thing uh and they're at least living together at this point um i think ray j is probably running a gang at this point because he was just so fascinated with it. And, um, and I feel like Richard Roundtree at some point got arrested for uh, fencing all of those uh, junkyard goods. Because that's going to catch up to you eventually. Yeah, and that, that junkyard's got to be condos by now, right? Like, there's no way that survives. Not only does it not exist, but it's not there because 
he got arrested and it was probably blighted right after that. <laughs> well, what do you, what do you got? Uh, I think that uh, John and Sparky are angrily divorced because once, <laughs> once Sparky like got a proper set of working robotic legs, she had an affair with Uncle Joe. <laughs> there was uh, a energy between them too. Mm-hmm. He's like, I love you. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just met her <laughs> not even an hour ago, bro. I mean, maybe, maybe there's, there was more there. Maybe we just didn't, we just couldn't see it. You know, we were too blinded by the, uh, oh, was that in the deleted scenes? <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would actually pay money to see the deleted scenes. Of oh, movie. fucking same dude. I would love to know what didn't make this movie. What, what wasn't good enough for the final cut? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh yeah i i I, if they're not going to be together in the film it's hard for me to imagine them being together after the film uh but like yeah i mean i mean did they did they just become the de facto you know superman superhero fighting force for la to like help the cops like like i don't know it's there didn't appear to be like much of like a future idea in mind. Just like there wasn't much of an idea of like, even in the present of like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess they just, they just do their own thing and everyone's happy enough with with, with them being vigilantes. Like the cops seem to be okay with it at this point. So uh, I I don't know. Hopefully they update their tech uh, as as the years go by. I I don't think that, heavy steel suit with a grappling hook is gonna probably you know work long term god he's probably still coming up that building that was just so slow it oh, was god. man Jeez. i know like <laughs> everyone's just like sitting watching too like, right oh, yeah like, that's how that like, works you're not, gonna, you're not gonna fire off a shot no okay right right um well uh do you have anything else uh anything else that we didn't cover I, I would like to say that the soundtrack is great. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about the soundtrack yet. The soundtrack is absolutely the best part of the movie. Which, I, okay, admittedly, that's not saying much, but the soundtrack alone is, is very, very, very good. Okay, so I, I actually, that's another one of the Shaquille O'Neal-related CDs that I own. I actually bought the music soundtrack to this movie. And I can say, having listened to it, I gave it a listen uh, yesterday, and... There's maybe three good songs on there. <laughs> three. And there was some that I liked as a kid that I listened to now. And I'm just like, that wasn't good. I don't know why I like that. <laughs> but I can say, but I, I like in terms of the soundtrack uh, throughout the movie, because they didn't really use a lot of the music that was on the, like the CD release. Like some of it was just stuff that they just attached to the name Steel. Um, there was a couple of songs that were that, that, like one of Shaq's songs was in the movie, which was kind of a shameless plug. But in terms of the actual like the scoring and stuff that was actually done by Mervyn Warren, who is uh, who I have to say is a family friend. And so he um, like he's a Grammy award winning like as as somebody who writes music who arranges music as somebody who has been a singer he used to, he was one of the original members of the of uh, the group take 6 so um he's he's outstanding so to see him attached to this i was like wait a minute <laughs> come on man because the, the because the music was very um 
it, it had sort of a, a, a sort of a um, sort of that black exploitation, or in this case, as Will said, shack exploitation. I am so proud of that phrase. You are, you are, and it was very good. But uh, it, it has like sort of that black exploitation, sort of um, you know, shafts sort of feel to it in spots. So I was surprised to see him attached to that because um, that's not necessarily his bag per se. So, um, yeah, so I, th I thought the movie soundtrack was like sort of the scoring was was kind of interesting. But the um, but the soundtrack, like the CD release was OK. <laughs> it was better than the movie. We'll put it that way. And we should note that the, the film is produced by the legendary Quincy Jones. So having sort of having sort of a funk '70s soundtrack right. for the film makes makes some sense there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to point that out, and and of course, Shaq is is attached as an executive producer. So I mean, you can see where like the decision making is coming from on some, <laughs> some of these yeah. some of these ideas. He's a better rapper than he is an actor. I'll say. <laughs> I, again, we're setting very low bars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Shaq's ver vertical bars versus Shaq's height bars uh, in terms of <laughs> what to clear here. Um, all right, uh, Rob, uh, anything else that, that we didn't touch on before we, we wrap this thing up? Um, no, man, I think I think I touched on everything that I had in my notes. Um, it's everything that I expected that it would be uh, watching it as an adult. Well, yeah. I, let, let me before before you fully flesh that thought out, let me because I. I got to ask you the the all important question, which is the entire reason that we do the podcast. Oh yeah, uh, Rob, do you still like this movie? I, I it was fun and it was nostalgic. So from that aspect, yes, um, there is a level of enjoyment to hate watching something. Like when you go into it expecting it to be bad or campy or what have you, then there is a level of joy in that. So. I like it in that sense. I'm I'm not I'm not mad at watching that again. It's not 97 minutes that I want back. Well, what 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 are your thoughts now revisiting this? I uh, I, I kind of loved it because it's so bad. It was <laughs> it was a really enjoyable, terrible film for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, just to echo Rob's comment, it's is not. Yeah, this isn't it doesn't hit the room levels of entertainingly bad, because that's like almost unreachable for any movie, but this gets close. It just makes no sense. Um, <laughs> Shaq is Shaq. The, I, I really did like the in-movie soundtrack, but it's I have never laughed so much watching a movie. Ever. Wow. So I, I'll say that when I saw the IMDb rating, which is 2.9 out of 10, which I've never <laughs> seen anything that rated that low, uh, it removed all expectations. But then I accidentally, when doing research and found out that it was based on a comic book, raised my expectations a little bit, which were very quickly dashed uh, when actually watching it. Uh, I would say that what i'll agree with rob that i i don't regret the 97 minutes but i do wish that it, i hadn't paid three dollars to watch it on the streaming service oh uh, yeah speaking of which i i there's only a standard definition version right. available it's, it's only an sd and none of the none of the streaming services as far as i could tell uh actually have this included right now so you're gonna have to pay waste, three or three or four bucks if you're gonna watch it would you waste time trying to remaster that <laughs> I mean, that listen, was that was before HD was a thing. So yeah, but I it means it didn't it didn't even get out of the DVD phase of its life. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. 
it was an intentional decision very clearly to uh just memory hold this to, to the, the era of vhs um all right well that that about wraps it up uh we'll uh we'll see you back here again uh next week for episode eight uh rob uh anything that you would like to plug on the way out here um yeah, I don't have anything really going on these days. Uh, just trying to recover from a pandemic. But um, yeah, I mean, I write stuff on WTOP.com. Um, you can see me there. You want to plug your Twitter or anything else? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at Rob Woodfork on Twitter. And, um, and that's really the main thing that I do from a social media standpoint. So yeah, you can you can see me there. And Hopefully we can uh, we can interact and talk about more movies that we enjoy and don't enjoy. <laughs> right, and sports too. I'll also talk about sports. I think I like this movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. Copyright twenty twenty one. What do you think about the LeBron to LA in 2018 rumors? Uh, you know, there's a lot of media outlets these days. I remember it was just yeah. NBC, CBS, yeah. ABC, and ESPN. Those are the four, right? Now so many people speculating. I know LeBron, and I think it's pretty confident to say that, that he'll stay at home because he's, he's in a very unique position. His legacy is already set. Whether he does good or bad, his legacy is set. So, you know, I don't want to say it's a mistake, but I built a 60,000 square foot house in Orlando, and I left it. If I had it all overdue again, I probably would have stayed. Or came back. Like, never, I didn't really get to enjoy it. So LeBron has a monster career in Cleveland. I don't see why he want to leave that. I think, because he, he already has, what, three rings, four rings? Just stay. Just stay and just try to, you know, bring another one to Cleveland. But to each his own.